Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be uh, spending the next two hours working on improving your mental health and your self-worth and self-esteem. Always a goal. Uh, my work has a few threads that are always kind of woven into it. So regardless of what the topic is, we might be talking about always trying to work on people working on acceptance and authenticity, which are keystones of mental health, feeling as though you can be your total and full self at all times in all places around all people. Now, of course that's going to shift and change. <laughs> There's different identities and, um, <clears throat> different social locations that we have to occupy. And that's going to create some shift and some change. But what does it really mean to have self-worth and self-esteem? It, it's somewhat of a buzzword we throw around and there's really cute memes about it. And some public figures have said things like, if you can't love yourself, how the heck are you going to love somebody else? Well, actually it's not true. It, it's pretty, um, it's a, it's a, it's a system. It's reinforcing. Yes, we want to work on self-love and we also need to have our self-worth reflected back to us. And sometimes <clears throat> before we can love ourselves, we have to receive love from others. That's how it actually begins. We are not born with any sense of ourselves and we are born into a world where it's already been established who has more worth than than, than others. It's already been established what you have to look like to be seen as desirable, what you have to you know look like and how you have to act and what your identity has to be to be employable or dateable or to be seen as a worthy parent. All these structures are in place. We have white supremacy, which determines whiteness to be the most ideal or legitimate. We have a heterocentric culture, which normalizes the uh, norms and rites of passage of heterosexuality. We are very cis-centric, where the trans or you know, non-binary or gender-fluid experience isn't something that's centered or always advocated for or prioritized. So you're, you're already born into a world where if you don't meet a certain criteria, you're already going to be oppressed and marginalized. And so we can't just feel great about ourselves living within those systems. It's really hard work. And so we have to always be tackling the macro and the micro work on finding a way to exist with some worth within these structures while off while also at the same time dismantling and challenging those structures and getting rid of them so that there's more of a um, equality but it's equity first <clears throat> equality is the goal but until we get there we need equity what's the difference well equality is everyone gets the same thing we can't even talk about everyone getting the same thing because things aren't fair and things are already stacked against a lot of people for virtually no reason other than their you know sex what they're interested in sexually what their gender is what their you know race is things like that their gender so until all of that is more 
balanced and everyone has the same access and privileges, we then focus on equity, which means everyone gets what they need. And some people need more than others. Some people need more help, more help with access, more power, uh, a seat cleared for them at the table, literally and also symbolically. So it's about equity right now. What do these people need? Is this a marginalized, oppressed person who needs more care, centering attention and support and to be brought into the conversation? Does someone maybe need to be... um, taken down from that. So equity, and then we get to a point of equality. All of that to say that self-esteem is far bigger than just learn to love yourself. Because I think in some ways, depending on what we're talking about, if we're talking about our relationship to our body, which we're going to have to talk more about on the show because summer's coming and we're going to hear a lot of people talking about, you know, getting your summer body and COVID weight and all these really body shaming, body negative concepts and expectations. Um, Self-love is not just a matter of learning to love yourself within all that. Sometimes it's about neutrality. And that's why we're talking more about instead of body positivity, body neutrality, you know, taking care of yourself because it's the vehicle that moves you through the world to whatever extent you are interested in, but not tying your worth and value to what your body can do or can't do or what it looks like and making it more neutral. That doesn't really matter. You know, it gets me from here to there and that's important. So I want to move my body, stretch, you know, feed it nutritious foods at times, but I'm not going to make my worth dependent upon it fitting into a specific rigid, I don't know, role, structure, shape, size, skin tone that has been decided for me. I haven't even chosen on my own. So we're going to spend the night talking about self-worth and self-esteem. Talked about it before a little bit, but uh, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a deep dive and talk about what that means, how to do it, why it matters. And also just bring the topic up. I don't think a lot of us pay enough attention to the relationship we have with ourselves. We focus a lot more on our relationship to others and others in response to us, but not so much how we connect with this right here. The one, the one being that we are always with ourselves, we can be in solitude away from others, but we can't really get away from ourselves. But yet, even when we have the opportunity of spending time with ourselves, we pick up that phone, (laughs) we turn on the TV play video game, always distracting, always distracting, always buffering, all these intimacy buffers. So we'll talk more about that. Um, if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit. Past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff because, again, the work is always about unlearning and then relearning, deconstruction, critical thinking, all these important skills because uh, – the way things are right now are not the best. All right, so uh, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we are back and we're talking about self-worth and self-esteem because uh, we got a lot of important relationships in our lives but one of the more important ones is the relationship we have with ourselves, which whether we realize it or not, becomes the foundation upon which all the other relationships exist. And I do agree that we don't want that to be super, super flimsy because then what happens? We're very fragile, not very resilient. We personalize everything, make everything about us. Um, And more importantly, if we really don't feel great about who we are, we're going to more easily personalize because if someone says something negative about us and we already feel negatively about ourselves, it's going to feel very reasonable and it'll make very, it'll, it'll make a lot of sense as to why you're able to, you know, attach to that and internalize it because it's congruent with how you already see yourself. They're just pointing out the obvious as, as, as you'd say. So it's a cycle. It's a system. We, we need to do our part and we need to be around others that are doing their part. So that's a constant feedback loop of talking better about ourselves, treating ourselves better and being around others that are talking better about ourselves and treating us well. And it reinforces each other. And that's why it's always about looking inward, but also outward. I'm a relationalist. I'll call that out from the front end. We are nothing but relational beings. Our brains and our nervous systems are social organs. We have the vagus nerve, which is all about keeping us connected and keeping us safe. Um, We are better off because of the relationships we're a part of. We cannot survive, literally cannot survive on our own. We also psychologically and emotionally can't survive on our own. Isolation is the most toxic thing. It, It actually leads to psychosis. We need other people to help ground us, reality test, um, to co-regulate. We've talked on the show about how helping yourself regulate by reaching out and leaning on another person is a more robust and successful way of regulation. Co-regulation always before self-regulation. Whenever I'm having a really hard time, I reach out to someone else to get some help, some barred functioning. 100%. We need that around us. It's a feedback loop. So again, we're going to be talking about the inward and the outward. We've, we've talked a lot about the outward on the show, unfollowing social media that doesn't reflect back that who you are is worth and value. If you're of a larger body, please stop following these weight loss things and smaller bodies being glorified, et cetera, et cetera. It's an example. 
Also really get good at regulating the conversations that are had around you, setting boundaries when someone might talk poorly about you and say, I'm going to stop you. Not really interested in hearing your critique on my new haircut or what I'm wearing or whether or not I've gained weight. Setting the boundary before you even getting there. I'm coming home for the week. I uh, would love to not hear anyone's thoughts about my appearance. Things like that. We have to regulate that. More importantly, being around people, though, that do think well and highly of us. We all need that community that reflects back who you are as worth and value. If you're black, you might need black friends. If you're gay, you need some gay friends, trans, some gay friends, some trans friends. A community that, that, that mirrors who you are. We need to have mirroring for the important parts of ourselves. <clears throat> That's why it's really hard to be around people but yet not have important parts of you engaged. And that's why we feel even more lonely because there are people there, but yet we're not feeling seen or really connected to. So we'll get more into all of that, but that's kind of like the broad strokes, inward, but also outward. We wanna pay attention to what's coming in and we wanna pay attention to what we're saying to ourselves. So <clears throat> low self-esteem, it impacts a lot. Wide, ubiquitous impacts on us. Um, but it's really your sense of self. It's your relationship to yourself. And it can ebb and flow, which is good and bad. There's going to be certain days where something happens, we feel very valued. There's going to be days where something bad happens, we feel devalued. Someone's going to say something. And all these events are going to occur within our current relationship to ourselves. If you're feeling really good about yourself and you have a good relationship to yourself and someone says or does something, you're going to be a little more resilient. But if you're not feeling so great about yourself and your self-talk has been really harsh, not so much. So let's start there for a second. Your self-talk. What are the ways I'd hear you talking about yourself? Um, we have to not take all of our thoughts as truths. In fact, most of them aren't. We have to not buy in so much. So we want to acknowledge when we're talking poorly about ourselves and say, that's not any more true than me maybe talking more positively about myself. So it's not really a conversation about positive talk or positive thinking, but it is about acknowledging how harsh you are and, and limiting some of that. Because I think the work is really more about some neutrality. Um, yes, there are some people that are a little narcissistic, um, grandiose, ego-centered, self-obsessed. And for them, it might be more about watering themselves down. But the work is actually something else. Um, a lot of people that are that self-centered or narcissistic, it's because they never did get the meaningful validation or support they needed to feel okay about themselves. And so they're always trying to um, get it other ways or... Um, overly dramatize some of it. And again, conversation for another day. I don't want to get hung up on narcissism and all of that and the different kinds. But all that to say that for most of us, I'm not concerned about us swinging the pendulum to the other side and becoming so obnoxiously self-promoting. Um, if anything, I think we'll land somewhere in the middle because we're very self-depreciating culture in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, we have no problem talking poorly about ourselves. There's a lot of comfort and familiarity in that. People don't really bat an eyelash. Although some people might say, hey, that's a little harsh, be kinder. But in general, when we celebrate ourselves, people will call you kind of cocky. They don't know what to do with that. And I was saying on another show, I wish we could be more transparent and post on our social media and share in conversations what we're up to that we're feeling really proud of and have it not be braggy or cocky, but just we're proud. We're celebrating. Like, aren't we allowed to be proud of our successes or the things we're doing? Um, I think also part of this conversation about self-worth is a conversation around what is it that we culturally think has the most worth and value that should be celebrated. And I think from a you know position of mental health. So I don't think we should be overly 
<clears throat> celebrate celebratory culturally around materialism because that's fragile you know, your income level and the materials that you have, watches, cars, in your home, those are not sustainable. Those are very fragile. And those don't have anything to do with you as a person or your character. And those are the things that matter more to me, your mental health, your character, how you impact others, what kind of person you are. And none of that is demonstrated with physicality or material. All right, we're going to take a little break. And we're going to come back and keep talking about self-worth and self-esteem because this is the kind of stuff that saves us, but also saves the other part, you know, the more wider parts of our lives as well. It's all interconnected. So stick around for that. And then, of course, uh, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we will be right back. Oh, right, y'all, we are back. And we're talking about self-worth and self-esteem, which I think is a really important thing to process and to assess in yourself. You know, how, what's my relationship like with myself? Am I kind and compassionate to myself? And if that concept makes you uncomfortable, ask yourself why. I think for some people, it's really hard for them to imagine working on being kind to themselves, talking to themselves better, letting themselves off the hook. Uh, self-esteem is something that develops over our lifetime our lifespan. And it's an accumulation of our experience to our, you know, our experience in our relationship to ourselves, but also our relationship to the wider world. Our race is in there, our class is in there, our educational level, our gender, our sexual orientation. These are all things that our culture has decided determine your worth and value. Even though none of those things have anything to do with your worth and value. None of those things have anything to do with your character, your integrity, your mental health, the legacy you leave behind, how you impact others. And so that's really unfortunate. And those are the things that we bump into throughout our lives that we're born into. So before we're born, how we're going to be born is already, you know, how that's going to move us through the world has already been determined um, by privilege and, um, you know, different institutions and systems that exist. And so we then are born into that. Some of us already at a disadvantage if you're not white, cis, hetero, upper class, and you have to spend a lot of your life trying to figure out how to still have self-worth and self-esteem because again, it's a macro micro level, internal, external, while we're working on our relationship to ourself, we're working on dismantling these inherent systems and institutions that have created this idea that some people are more meaningful or more valuable than others. We also have to do the work inside while also looking at what is it going on around us outside. Um, sometimes it, there's nothing wrong with the plant. It's that the soil is bad or rotten and you need to plant it somewhere healthier so it can get the nutrients it needs. Human beings are the same way. You can't thrive in unhealthy soil. Your soil is the social world around you. And we want to do what we can within what's in our means and control to make it as healthy as possible and plant ourselves right there. And that's what comes up with a lot of uh, inpatient treatment is they really focus on the individual. A lot of treatment centers will also focus on the system. But for some of these people, they're going to go back out into some rotten dirt and they're not going to be in a community or in, you know, in an environment where they're going to get what they need. They're going to get the sunshine and the nutrients. Um, all that matters. So we, we have some ha a hand in some of this. So what are the beliefs <clears throat> that tend to be a part of, you know, lower self-esteem or self-esteem at large? Worthlessness, how worthy do you feel you are? It's very general. Uh, I'm worthless or I'm worthy. Um, adequacy or inadequacy, um, negative traits, 
whether or not you believe you have them and, and how meaningful those negative traits that you believe you have feels to you, the impact of that. There's different levels of severity. Um, it might look like being self-critical, sensitivity to criticism from others. Because again, if you're not feeling great about yourself and who you are, it's going to be easy for you to buy into others' interpretations of who you are because you don't really have a strong sense of who you are. And if it aligns with the negative self-talk, well, then it's just getting confirmed. And so you're really going to buy in. And that's why I think it's really important. It's again, it's like that whole potluck dinner concept, which I use food examples when I can, because I think it's awesome. But if you show up at a party and you're really excited and proud of the gift you brought, you want everyone to know, I brought this gift. This is what I got you. Happy birthday. I want everyone to see. I celebrate it. If I'm not proud of the gift wrapping or the gift I brought or the potluck meal, I'm going to kind of hide it. Uh, I'm not going to really want it to be associated with me. I'm going to want someone to maybe open it in private or maybe not even acknowledge that it's mine. Um, that's how we move through the world. If we feel good about that which we are, we're going to feel good being seen, being heard, occupying space. Uh, but if we don't, we're going to kind of want to lean out and away from that. And so that's in there. But then, like I said, that's the inside job, our relationship to ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. But then the outside job is what environments are you putting yourself in? Because there are some environments for me specifically that wouldn't be healthy because it doesn't honor and value who I am. And so, of course, I wouldn't feel very valued and of high self-worth in those spaces. And I have to learn what those are. And it's sometimes outside of self-worth. For sober people, they don't really feel valued or get their needs mirrored or met when they're maybe in a bar environment. So even though that's not quite self-worth, it's, it's a parallel process to it uh, because that's going to feel, that's an environment we might feel outside of or ostracized because you can't participate in the drinking, drinking culture. And so that will maybe get internalized as there's something wrong with me. I don't fit in here because a, a big part I would say two big parts we really want to focus on when we're talking about self-worth and self-esteem is a sense of belonging and authenticity. And what I mean by that is we need to feel part of, and when we don't, we're going to start to maybe question, is it us? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with me? And then authenticity, because if we're not living fully in all times, in all places, around all people as our total and full selves, well then, if we can't live authentically, well then that's telling me you are carrying some shame about who you are. And that's going to impact your self-esteem because if you feel good about who you are, you would proudly be yourself at all times and all places with all people. So again, we're assessing our level of self-worth based on how much do you feel like you belong and how authentic do you feel like you can be with your friends, with your family members, in your relationship, at work, in social spaces, and trying to create more of that. What would it mean if you risked? being more authentic and being more known. All right, we're going to take a, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So uh, stick around for that. DMs come from our Loveline and G page, drop them in there, and then we'll uh, keep talking about self-worth and self-esteem. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. And before we get to the uh, DMs, I was um, looking at some research. I kind of liked some of these. We were, it was more causes of low self-esteem, which... And looking at some of the other entry points, it helps us also understand where some of the work can exist. Uh, we talked about this, unsupportive uh, friends or family members. So that would mean uh, redirecting the conversation saying, hey, I'm not interested in talking about why I'm not married, why my body shape or size is different, you know, or whatever it is. Setting boundaries and just saying, hey, I, I'm here to celebrate or to only focus on successes or I really want to keep things neutral. And same thing with friends. Hey, let's not be that group of friends that gossips or talks about our weight. It tends to negatively impact my self-worth or my self-esteem. Can we instead celebrate each other and support each other and be that kind of social group? So really paying attention to how 
relationally these things enter. And if you're in a primary relationship with someone who's very negative or verbally abusive or body shamey or whatever it is, puts you down, identify it. That's emotionally abusive and that needs to stop. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to have to exit this relationship. Uh, friends who are bad influences, we kind of talked about that. Uh, stressful life events, really saying, okay, it's it's not necessarily a commentary on me. Um, the market, job market, uh, something happened or they restructured and I was laid off and that doesn't have to be something I internalize as a message about my worth or my workability. So really depersonalizing what isn't personal. Um, also, I loved this one, unrealistic goals. I think sometimes maybe we think if someone else can do something, we can, or we can do whatever we, we want, set your dreams high. And it's like, well, set, set the goals high, but not so high that you're always living in the shadow of it or always feeling as though you're not successful because you haven't achieved it. I think there's something really helpful in checking in on the appropriateness or realism of some of the goals. Um, so anyway, all right, back to the uh, DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Uh, here we go, sliding into those DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline, what are your thoughts on our cultural and individual obsession with looking a certain way? Why are so many people obsessed with their bodies and not with their mental and emotional growth? Yeah, I love that one. We've, we've answered a lot of questions like this before in the past. It's cultural phenomenon. We put our worth and our self-esteem on things outside of ourselves. And uh, those things aren't stable. Those things aren't always sustainable. Those things aren't even always achievable. Uh, so the work is really about, like I was saying earlier, oddly, having realistic goals for ourselves. A lot of people think that because someone else is able to pull something off that they can as well. And we also think that our body is our worth and where our value lies and the summer's coming and we have to do the really difficult work of kind of really moving away from that. And, um, Again, going back to the internal, I read, read this amazing book on research and it was, I shared this, I think a couple of years ago on the show, and it was looking at how there was a time when they were looking at people's journals and diaries to really look at what was most meaningful to people, what were the struggles around. And uh, a couple of decades ago, the work was about, am I a good person? You know, am I a good person? Am I leading a good life? And I thought that was really beautiful. Now it's, am I hot? Do I have a good body? And so we've really turned it into materialism, um, our bodies and what we have, what we own, what we possess. And we've moved it away from what kind of person we are. Uh, there's a, um, a Buddhist writer and he talks a lot about this concept of confidence, brilliant confidence, and how he saw that with some of, the, some of his gurus. And it was confidence in their basic goodness, confidence coming from the fact that they are good, caring people. And... It didn't matter what they were wearing. It didn't matter how they looked. It didn't matter what kind of body they had. Our body is a vehicle. Our bodies are not achievements. And really rooting it in, how do I move through the world and letting my worth be tied to that? And I'm really advocating for us to get back to, to, to that. It's going to take a large cultural shift and it's going to take a lot of time, but I think there's something really meaningful in that. So anyway, so what do I think of it? I think it's... Um, very of the moment. I think it's something that a lot of us are trapped in. I think it's something that we have to pull ourselves out of. I think we all have work to do within that. I know that the summertime is coming and that this is something a lot of people are going to be up against. And um, we're going to talk about it. We're going to work on it. We're all in this together. So just just do your part. Um, all right. So you got a question for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to drop deeper into. We'd love hearing from you. Again, that's on our Loveline IG page. 
and uh, past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. You can binge post, we're listening, share. We'll be back, so stick around. We're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're looking at self-esteem and self-worth, what it is, where it comes from, where it comes from, and just looking at the, the, the work that exists within trying to kind of become more resilient and improve those levels. But I was using the words uh, before the break of DM, excuse me, before the DM break, I should say. I was using the words of belonging and authenticity. And those are ways that I start to try to get into this conversation with people. I'll say, how safe or how confident you feel in being your authentic self? What Around what people and in what spaces and places do you feel like you have to shrink down, keep quiet, downplay who you are, dress differently, talk differently, look differently? That, that right there is the site of where the work should exist. And then we can also use an example of belonging. Where do you feel like you belong and where do you feel like you don't? And how does that impact you to be in spaces where you often don't feel like you belong? What would it mean for you to uh, use authenticity to belong or to realize I don't and to go find spaces and places where you do? So those are two of the ways I kind of work with it. I know it's a little outside of that, but um, I think they're good entry points. So <clears throat> we'll come back to that in a minute. But what are some of the factors? So how does this come to be? Well, early in the show, I was just talking about we're born into certain structures that legitimize or illegitimize who we are. Um, so it's early childhood experiences, and that's going to be really meaningful. You know, did you feel like you fit in? Were you gossiped about? Were you picked on? Were you bullied? Did, did no one look like you? Did no one have your sexual orientation? Um, classes in there. Did you have money to wear what everyone else was wearing? Did you have enough money to have the same technologies and toys that other people had? This is where all of this starts to begin. Also, how you're treated based on your race, <clears throat> your gender presentation, your femininity, your masculinity, all that starts swirling around and matters. Then we move further up and it's about your identity as you start to step into identity as a man, as a woman, as someone who's non-binary, someone who's trans, as someone who's gay, as someone who's straight, all of these different pieces have different values applied to them. All made up, everyone has the same worth and value, but in our culture, we've determined that some people have more than others, so that starts to be in there. Then the social groups we run with through our teenage years and our adult lives. Again, belonging and authenticity. How safe is it to be yourself? Is yourself wanted? Um, do you fit in and belong or are you running in circles where the important parts of you are not mirrored or not engaged? That will always leave you feeling not so great or not so worthy. And then just, you know, romantic relationality outside of that. Have you been a part of relationships that were toxic or abusive that had, you know, emotional abuse like name calling, being put down, being controlled? All these different forces come together to really determine how we feel about ourselves, but also how we feel the world feels about ourselves. Because again, our self-worth is reflected back to us very much so. <clears throat> and so we have to target both, as I keep saying, the micro and the macro, the internal and the external, really working on all these different pieces. And it's really hard and it can be a life's work. Um, just think about it for a second. You might, in your early adulthood, really work on... Um, your fat phobia and learning how to love the body that you have and maybe also let's say your queer identity and you kind of work and you feel so resilient and so robust around all that and you've found people that reflect back worth and value and you're feeling really good, but then you start aging and now you're bumping into ageism. So then that's placed upon you. Or maybe you get an injury or an illness and now you have ableism, um, 
and also health policing bumping up against. So it's like, we're never necessarily in the clear because there's always things down the road. Maybe you get married, uh, but then you decide to have an open marriage. So now you have, you know, toxic hetero, you know, or monogamous centricity applied at you. Like, oh, it's not a real marriage. You're not really in love. You guys are open. Like it's wild how there's so many different levels of attack, I guess. There's so many different levels of prejudice that can occur that we can constantly feel like we're pushing through one form, if not the other, and the work is endless. Um, but the work is a l kind of the same within all these domains. Quick side note though, before I progress, with the, on the one thing we all do know that we will be bumping up against is ageism. That is one thing that we definitely know is coming for us. And start now, start at whatever point you are in your life and in your journey and dismantling that, calling that out, that we're not gonna use a decline narrative around aging, that aging isn't just all downhill, that there are a lot of things that are positives and advancements. Um, having a better understanding of who you are, really understanding what the world is, focusing on living a life of purpose and meaning finally and getting outside of the trap of caring about aesthetics and materialism. Um, <clears throat> having breakthroughs versus breakdowns. Like there's, there's so much beauty that comes from that form of, of self-knowledge. Um, stop trying to battle aging. Uh, really normalize that process. Like that, that work is what we should all be doing. Same thing with um, ableism. You know, disability is something that waits also for a lot of us. And also just it's, you know, a systemically toxic norm as well. Um, we'll take a break, though. We're going to come back and keep talking about self-esteem. But like I'm saying, this is all very much tied to these systems that are already in place. And if they're not impacting us now, they will. And it's all something that we should have a hand in trying to kind of resolve so that we can all just feel good as we are. A lot of work to do. Um, if you've got DM for us though, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions, topics, things you want us to hit. And past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff, but stick around. We got more to come. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about self-esteem. Such a bummer. I really wish that there was a very simple or easy shortcut to getting uh, self-esteem and self-worth back, but um, <clears throat> it's easily taken from us. And that's why I'm always advocating for us to uh, be kind to those around us, be kind to ourselves. <sighs> Times are tough and um, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of things that we can internalize. Uh, sometimes we enter different social spaces or relationships, not expecting it. And what we unfortunately walk away with is um, some erosion or loss of our self, self you know, excuse me, self-esteem or self-worth. Um, it's very sensitive. It's kind of like we were talking <clears throat> a couple shows back about positive versus negative experiences and how our brains, you know, in service of protecting us uh, very easily log negative experiences to keep us safe and positive ones not so much we have to really saturate ourselves so i was talking about how we have to really hold in our minds and savor positive experiences for a few seconds to really internalize and be impacted by them we can apply that to self-esteem and self-worth we just need ooh, at the right well i guess at the wrong time from the wrong person or you could say you know the the wrong thing said you know and um Context matters. It might be said by someone else at a different time and we have more resilience or we're able to kind of self-talk our way out of it, but uh, not always. Okay, so back to uh, what we wanna to do to build self-esteem. One of the things I tell my uh, patients in my clinical practice all the time is that 
Your self-esteem doesn't let you off the hook. It's always tracking what you're doing and you cannot move through the world feeling of worth and value if you know and you've seen yourself doing things that aren't worthy of self-worth. So we wanna really focus on that. And um, before we even get to that, you have to first stop and really ask yourself, what, what are your ethics and your values? And again, if you ask a lot of questions of people, what are their material goals? What are their career dreams? They can tell you those things. But when you ask them, what are your ethics? What are your values? What are they rooted in? A lot of people can't answer that because again, culturally, we don't value that. But that's what should be guiding our lives, not our emotions, not our thoughts, but our ethics and our values. We don't want to be uh, guided by what we call mood-dependent behavior. Our mood changes. It's not always rational. It's often not effective. But that's what most people are guided by. Well, I felt this way, and so I acted from it. No, the work is about feeling all of your feelings, but then being guided by your ethics and your values. But a lot of people don't even know what they are. And so to live a value-directed life one that's going to lead to happiness, self-worth, and mental health. We have to actually know what they are. So it's a really great exercise I, I you know, prescribe to all of you. Take some time and say, what do I want my life to be centered in? Um, and that can change. But then there might be some core ones that you always live by. Again, I've, I've shared this on the show. My first one's always to cause no suffering and no harm. So that's always the first question I ask myself. And I try to always do whatever's going to reduce that. And that might mean biting my tongue. That might mean um, letting things go. Um, and then I move forward into living as authentically as possible in all places and spaces with all people. And, and that's also kind of tied to the sense of liberating. Um, so again, that doesn't, those values don't apply to everything, but um, the not causing suffering is very much rooted in uh, an ethic of care and compassion. And so I always try to do that first. I don't, you know, tell it like it is, put people in their place, attack back. I try to first say, what's the most compassionate response? Um, fierce compassion, which is barred from Pema Chodron, who's an American Buddhist nun. I love her work. And she talks about fierce compassion, that we can be compassionate, but there can be a fierceness to it, which means that we do set boundaries. You know, being compassionate is not about being a doormat. Being compassionate does not mean not taking care of ourselves, setting boundaries, making requests, removing people from our lives. Compassion is just about the way we go about it, the, the stance we take, the language we use, the tone we have. It's always coming from an ethic of care, care for self, care for other. It doesn't have to be hurtful or harmful in setting that, that, that boundary, um, you know, in terms of, you know, compassion. So you have to note they are first, but then we have to live by them. And there's a really beautiful exercise that comes out of 12 steps sometimes where a sponsor in doing the fourth step with their sponsee will look at their character defects and say, awesome, write each one on a piece of paper and every day or every week, pull one out and, and work on it that day, work on it that week, work on examining, when do I do this? When do I not do this? How can I best apply this and work on resolving it? That's what I, I've said this on the show many times where we all need to know what our work is because if we don't know what we're working on, then we're not working on anything. We all know, again, what we're trying to do with work. We all know what we're trying to do in in terms of maybe the design or aesthetic of our home. We know what we might be working on in terms of our body or our car or, you know, a hobby. But like, what are you working on emotionally and psychologically? Because we all have work to do. And if, again, you don't know and you can't identify, then you aren't working on anything. And so that's such an important keystone of mental health is being so conscious of yourself that you know what you're working on. And that's how we lead to self-esteem. So that's the first part, that mindfulness, that consciousness, having a value-driven life. So we have to know what that is. Then we move into just acceptance of self. And that word acceptance is really hard for a lot of us because we think it means 
co-signing or agreeing with or being okay with, and it doesn't. It just means we are letting go a little bit. We're making room for. Um, we, we can still be working on self-improvement while also not battling ourselves or an aspect of ourselves. It's a softening. It's a kindness. And I think that's the first step is just saying, okay, I'm aware of who I am. I'm aware of what I want to change. I'm aware of what I want to work on. Hear the tone, hear the language choice. It's soft. And um, starting there first. Um, I think sometimes it's harder for us to be compassionate with ourselves than with other people. And if we can start with ourselves, it can often make it easier to be compassionate on others. Uh, people that are harsh on others tend to also be very harsh with themselves. And so you can kind of use either entry point to really begin that work. Um, it's really important work because again, remember, this is about us within relationships in the world. And we're relational beings, so all of that matters and ties together. All right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about self-worth and self-esteem. Got some DMs that we're going to close the show out with. So if you got a question for us, topic you want covered, something you want us to circle back or drop deeper into, let us know. Put that on the uh, IG page, Loveline IG page. And uh, past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge post, re-listen, or share. Lots of great stuff, lots of unlearning and then relearning because we are deconstructing and critically analyzing everything. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We're back and we're talking about how to uh, increase your self-worth and self-esteem. Fortunately and unfortunately, the path is really um, (laughs) the landing point because it's a life's journey. We never really step outside of that. And you know, just as you know, I'm always trying to sprinkle these little things covertly. Everything's not overt, but one of them, as I try to always dismantle, um, gosh, anything that's very shaming or oppressive, one of them being ageism, I always remind people that, you know, we have this decline narrative associated with aging, but if we really turn aging into a breakthrough versus these breakdowns or this decline narrative where everything gets worse and everything falls apart, but we see it as moving into what we call the second phase of life, hopefully, which not everyone ever gets to. And what a gift to be able to be alive longer. And hopefully our self-worth is improved because we stop caring about things that don't matter. We stop caring about those things. We start to care more about what does matter, which is a purpose living, excuse me, living a purpose-driven life. What do I want my time here to be about? What has my life been centered in? The first phase of life, which some people never outgrow because it's not related to chronological age. It's more about your emotional maturity or your spiritual age, essentially. The first phase, which again, most people here are trapped in, is about you in relationship to the world. What's my identity? And it's very ego-driven and materialist. You know, What's my job title? What's my role in the family? Am I a parent? Am I a partner? Uh, what's my professional role? Um, where do I fit in in the social world? Am I cool? Am I hot? What's my car look like? It's, it's really a grounding in identity. And the ways that we tend to do that in our world aren't really rooted in the most meaningful things, like what kind of human you are, your character, your integrity. We don't label or identify ourselves those ways. We don't even have terms for it. It's always the physical. Some people never leave that, and their whole life is rooted in self-worth and self-esteem being tied to who they are in the world. Um, Hopefully, we age out of that or spiritually grow out of that and moves into you against yourself. Am I living the life I I want to lead? How do I feel about what I'm doing with my time and energy here? And that can happen younger or later. I just hope for everyone that it happens. And part of aging is is the hope that you're ushered into that. Sometimes it doesn't happen until you have a crisis. You are disabled, you lose your job, you lose your money, you lose the functioning body that you thought you needed or wanted. Something happens, you have a crisis and you realize, wait a minute, I've been so dependent upon uh, 
my physicality, my aesthetics, my income, my car, all these things have worth and value. And those weren't sustainable. Those were fragile. Who am I without all of that? You can jump through that and get past that to the second phase anytime you want. And to say, instead of worrying about all that, I just want to be a good person. I want to have a great legacy. I want my time here to be meaningful. What am I doing with my time? What is my purpose and mission? What's my mission statement? What are my ethics? Am I living based on that? That's a higher calling. That's transcendent. That's spiritual. That's mental health. That's emotional intelligence. And that's an important part of self-worth and self-esteem is tapping into that at some point, living purposefully, having a sense of something meaningful. Um, We talked about living with integrity and I would say those are the two big ones. Self-worth and self-esteem will be about the integrity you live with and also the purpose, your purpose here. Um, But then there's some other pieces because self-worth can also be about these little micro movements and moments, which is about assertiveness. Part of self-worth and self-esteem is knowing that your thoughts, your comfort, your mental health matter. And so asserting yourself, taking up space, giving voice, asking for things, putting others out in service of something that you truly need and is necessary. That's assertion. And centering yourself at times, that's where self-worth and self-esteem comes in. Um, Practicing that, noticing when we don't. Why is that? Why do you not think your feelings matter as much as everyone else's? And it can be small moments. Um, I can come up with some really strange examples, being in the car with a group of people and asking them to put the air conditioning on because you're hot or turning down the music because it's a little loud for you. You know, lovingly just asserting that like your thoughts and feelings matter. And then it can be a more macro level, asking for certain accommodations at work, um, changing your work schedule or asking for a shift in terms of, you know, the chores that are designated between you and a partner or a family member saying, you know what, I don't really enjoy doing that or I'd like to do something else. But whenever we assert ourselves, that is inherently, if it's done in a loving, appropriate way, that's a, that's a powerful act of self-worth and self-esteem, uh, centering ourselves like that. We need to see ourselves doing that. So assertiveness is, is a huge one. So is authenticity, saying, I'm not here to be liked. I'm not trying to be disliked. I'm not trying to harm anyone or offend anyone. But if I'm living authentically, within compassion and care and, and of course, you know, understanding my impact on others. But if I'm living as myself and I'm not trying to be liked, I'm just trying to be known, that's a beautiful way to build self-esteem and self-worth, especially in early dating. Just being going as yourself and saying, this is who I am. And if you like me, awesome. And if not, that's okay too. And bringing that into social spaces, bringing that into the office and to say, no, actually, I don't like that. Or no, that's not really what I wanted to go do, you know, on our trip. Or I really don't enjoy that restaurant. Can we eat somewhere else? These acts of disruption and self-centering are ways we can really work on building our self-worth and self-esteem. And hopefully around people that will reflect back, of course, you matter. And we're all happy to put the air on for you or to go to a different restaurant because you don't like that restaurant or to maybe, you know, change an element of our trip or our work schedule. Um, We need those moments. So really just identify what are your ethics and your values? Where can I be more authentic? Where can I also be maybe more assertive? And that's also ways to work on self-worth and self-esteem. And also what people or conversations do I need to stop spending time around because it really challenges my self-worth. All right, coming up next, we're gonna slide into those DMs. So I got a question for us, drop them in there. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been with my partner now for about a year and a half. I've never truly been with someone so caring and understanding. Oh, see, adorable. Especially when it comes to my anxiety and depression. However, lately, my eating disorder has been kicking my butt. And due to not having insurance right now, it impacts me daily and heightens my anxiety, depression, insecurities about myself and the relationship. Beautifully stated. You know, it is, an, it is very hard for us to feel good about our total self, especially our relational self, that part of ourselves that we present to someone else and uh, they reflect back to us our worth and our value and we kind of internalize that. It's hard for us to feel good about our total self if there's an aspect that we have shame or guilt around. And that's why shame limits us in a larger scale than whatever that shame might be specifically driven by or related to. It's why shaming is never a motivating or healthy force. Back to what you said, though. You said, uh, but that's why I'm glad you're with someone. You know, your question saying that your partner is really supportive, and that's awesome. That's what you need. That's what we all need. <laughs> uh, you said, a uh, very sensitive topic for me, and I'm nervous to share this with my partner, but I feel it's almost necessary to let him in on why I've been having such dark days. I guess my question is, should I move forward with telling him, even though there's a lot of shame, and I'm afraid to look at me differently? Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, to not tell him is to actually center, honor, and maintain that shame and to strengthen it. There, there's nothing worthy of shame in anything you've said. We should not have any shame or guilt or anxiety around the fact that we are human beings and we struggle with what we struggle with. And most of us have some level of disordered eating. Um, it's normalized in our culture, truly. And you just maybe have it in a more profound sense. I'm sure your partner in some way understands to some small degree what it's like to have anxiety around our bodies and food and our desirability and our self-worth. And that's a mandatory part is uh, of a relationship, a, a, a truly intimate uh, primary relationship is for us to be able to bear their parts of ourselves to others. In fact, that's how we work through shame is, is showing it is uh, shame is worked through with authenticity, with proudly living our total full selves at all times in all spaces around all people and not withholding or shrinking down any element of who we are. That is shame being reinforced and us living from it. And so you being in a primary relationship is a great space for you to practice saying, I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to gift you, you say, with a deeper understanding of other elements of me. 
I'm not going to perform and pretend to be someone I'm not. And that's an act of intimacy building. That's an act of commitment. That's an act of care. And that's a, a, a sign of commitment in our relationship. And in you doing that with your partner, you're saying to them, they can do that back with you. And that's how you create <clears throat> deeper relationships is when we share parts of ourselves and we tell other people that they can do that with us. And relationships that can't tolerate or contain sharing those more, more vulnerable parts will never have safety and trust. That's how trust and safety is built. I can show you the parts of me that I don't feel great about and you're still there. I can be vulnerable and intimate and you don't run or leave me. That's how we resolve and heal that. So take advantage of that. And you've already said your partner has been so supportive of all these other mental health aspects. I can't imagine that this would be a part that's um, too difficult for them. So trust it and, and, and test it in an appropriate way. And again, frame it as this beautiful gift of intimacy that you're bestowing upon this other person, which is truly what that is, knowing that shame is maintained in silence and avoidance. And we need to lean into all the parts of ourselves we want to lean out of because mental health is authenticity, living our full total selves without any shame at all, because none of these things are worthy of that. That's the kick in all this. People that should have shame <laughs> don't. <laughs> Those that shouldn't do you know, have shame because you put work before your family. Have shame because you think money and cars and material is the most important thing on this planet to the detriment of the environment and other people. You know, have shame because you're supporting bills and laws that are violent against trans children and individuals and whatnot, you know, that's where it should exist, not in someone like you. So anyway, if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We love hearing from you. Any questions you got, put them in there. Topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to. Past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, and listen. It's where you can uh, do the deeper work, you know. But uh, be kind to yourselves, y'all. Be kind to those around you, please. Drop the bar on yourself and those around you as well. Focus the rest of the night on some pleasure, self-care, tons of leisure and rest. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. You enjoy the rest of your night, and I'll see you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 